0: Welcome to Masterclass US Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the US market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us each week to learn more about the US market. Hello, welcome to Masterclass U.S. Wine Market. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Filana Bouvier to the Italian Wine Podcast. Filana is the president at Domain Estates, a Napa Valley-based negociant of fine wines. Throughout her career, Filana has had several leadership positions that include leading the new business development at Young's Market Company, now known as RNDC, for prospect management and new supplier engagement. Felana, I had the chance to meet a few years ago in October 2020, virtually, and since then I've had great chance to work together on a number of projects. And I'm so excited to have her here today in the podcast. Welcome to the show, Felana. It's great to have you.
1: Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here and so excited to have this conversation with you and also to my dear friend, Juliana. So I (laughs) love, you know, how much I just appreciate your support so much, especially for our wine business too. So thank you.
0: Of course, and it goes both ways. So these relationships that make our industry so special. Before we, you know, today we're going to talk, it's the Time Wine Podcast, so we're going to talk about Domain Estates and the growth of your Italian portfolio and all those good things on the business side. But before we start, you have such an extensive background in sales and marketing. You're a celebrated leader here in the U.S. in sales and marketing, especially for women entering this industry. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the industry and what led you to your role today as president of Domain Estates.
1: Thank you. Well, it's been, a, it's quite the journey and it's still continuing. I, I've been in the business for well over 20 years. I started out really at the beginning of my career was a merchandiser, working for a beer distributor in Hawaii and moved my way up from a sales position over, I started at Southern Wine and Spirits in the wine business as a wine rep, mm-hmm. calling on accounts and the on-premise and really enjoyed doing that. In fact, I miss sometimes being on the road in that way. I think the regional sales role is one of the most dynamic roles in our business mm. because you still call on the accounts. This one, The wine business is still a very customer-driven, personal business need that one-to-one interaction. And I was in sales, fine wine sales for, you know, a little over, I think almost five years in Hawaii working at Southern Glaciers. And then I had the entrepreneurial bug to move to California and start my own business. And I, I left my beloved Hawaii. You know, I needed to leave Hawaii because I wanted to really grow my career. It was important to me as a young woman that I saw so much opportunity when you were, when I was a sales rep in Waikiki, I would work with uh, suppliers that would ride with me and I would listen to, you know, how they're traveling the world and, you know, Hawaii mm-hmm. their stops. And I got to know the wine business through that lens standing, you know, it was time for me to leave Hawaii and really get to the next step. So I moved to Hawaii. I ended up getting involved um, as an entrepreneur into the water business. I bought a water company. It's an extremely dynamic story because I got involved in selling water and then moved into distribution in Southern California and kind of fell into it, just trying to find my way when I came upon this company that I ended up getting involved with. And through Mm -hmm. that, just jumping ahead, I ended up selling that business to the Underwood family that owns Young's Market Company. And that was really my first entry into Young's. And they gave me my first job, which I'm very grateful to today. As their vice president for national accounts. And I Mm -hmm. called accounts and did that role for about a year and a half, and then was promoted back to Hawaii because I wanted to go back to Hawaii and became the first female to run a, uh, a wholesaler as the executive vice president and GM of Hawaii and was wow. five years and, and that was an extremely challenging and fun time in my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I was very young when I started business and my career really, you know, I learned a lot about building a business and understanding wholesale, and I know distribution with the back of my hand because of that experience and understanding uh, what it took to take spirits and wine and take it from the warehouse floor all the way to a retailer or a customer and understanding those steps and how to sell.
0: Since you started as a rep yourself, right? So you saw that side of the industry, working the field and working the market yourself as a rep. And then moving into managing a whole territory. So we really, I feel like got to see it from a different lens as well. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, we when you run a state as an EVP GM, I have a lot of set for the GMs across the country, especially in wholesale, because you go from zero to hero in five minutes, 10 times a day. So it's important that the suppliers are an important part of your business, but also warehouse and delivery and right. clients and portfolio management and merchandising. So you're touching so many aspects of the business all the time, and it's seven days a week that you really get to understand all the pieces and the mechanics behind driving a wholesaler, and also what's important to a supplier when you come in, which ultimately right. gave me the experience of what I'm doing today. And mm-hmm. uh, in my time there, I was very grateful to be there as the YSGM five years, overseeing all the islands and a team of people that I think was about at the time, 200 employees. It was such a dynamic growth time for me because I learned a lot about myself as a leader, but also a lot about the business and driving the business and driving what's important to not only the state of Hawaii, but also to our suppliers. It was a beloved time. I actually, I think I could have been there forever. And right. I made a conscious choice. The Underwoods asked me to move to California to oversee new business development. It was for my career. Mm-hmm. And I had to take the next step to get out of Hawaii because I didn't want to be pigeonholed in that position, which I think today, right. a lot of people would say to me, wow, you left Hawaii. Like, why <laughs> That <laughs> it was a so great. Yeah. <laughs> it was a fantastic opportunity to, because it was a great place to settle. Hawaii's of so, course. Oh, I, I, I it's love it so beautiful so there. And the people are very, very beautiful, of course. I had to follow my professional heart so mm-hmm. I had to, go to the next level. So I ended up back in California. I'm overseeing new business development. And I learned a lot about a new skill set that I actually didn't really know I even had, which is new business development is probably one of the most effective skills in leadership that someone can have because... because... Because it truly is about uncovering and being able to knock down doors at the same time, Mm -hmm. which means you have to be able to go out and hustle for business and understand what your company is looking for and bring those pieces to the table. And your business is such an important part of any company that's growing because in order to grow your revenue or to push forward. Not only get to grow your first and foremost base business, but also to get out new business and to identify trends and what's working and also to figure out what's not working and to figure right. out things for that. And especially when you're doing that in wine, it's an extremely, I would say, mo- one of the most interesting parts of the job. If you have the opportunity to go into that kind of department, I strongly recommend it because you learn a lot. You learn yeah. a lot about strategy. It's, a, it's really about strategy and overcoming challenges and being able to get the right stakeholders to the table to come Mm -hmm. to an agreement to move forward in business.
0: I think with new business development, it also really tests your ability to not just meet the person in the contact and make the contact, but maintain the relationship, build upon the relationship, nurture it through to that point of the new business relationship. And then beyond that, keep the client satisfied as well, right? That's that life cycle of of
1: a new business development role. Absolutely. It's networking. It's cultivating, like you said, those relationships and then also staying in touch. And to me, it's also about follow-up and results. That's Mm -hmm. the most important thing is if you are able to bring together new business and then have your company that you're representing able to follow up with results due to the new business that you bring. That is the best recipe for success. I learned so much. I did it for, I think, four to five years. It was during the time I think we met because it was right when r and I think about four or five years later after I took on the role as uh, for new business development at Young's. R and D C purchased or acquired Young's Market Company. So that was when the pandemic hit. Right, different time, and I was all of a sudden in a new role. Working with R and was the vice president of fine wine, overseeing our fine wine portfolio and on the fine wine side, three states, and I learned a lot. I learned so much about another new skill set is just portfolio development and mm-hmm. understanding the different nuances of fine wine suppliers on the distributor side and how to get that through the system in different states. And right. it became extremely valuable the time that I had at R and D C because I really can say and I can comfortably say this and confident I have had every level in a position yep. in wholesale and wholesaler i mean i know i really do know right. my and i think having that knowledge is so important when you're driving business forward and you're building brands mm-hmm. and you know i was very fortunate out of the blue a recruiter reached out to me about the opportunity to work with carlton mccoy italian wine podcast part of the mama jumbo shrimp family Mm -hmm. And at the time, I did not know Carlton. I knew of him a little bit, but I didn't really know his story. And when I got to know his story and the leader that he is, it is phenomenal because he is a phenomenal human being to work for and extremely ambitious. He's driven and he's a builder. He is really great at identifying how to build companies and getting the right people in their places to really build something that is about preserving a legacy. And that's Mm -hmm. what he's excellent at it. And, And it's been an honor to, one, I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to meet with him, but to the honor with the offered the position run Domain Estates. And his vision of Domain Estates is to be not only a producer, but also a world-class importer and negotiator, mm-hmm. which is something that's very important to him. And right. together, we've been able to build a really fantastic portfolio that's continuing to grow. But then we are also, what I think is important, is we sell one of the most dynamic, luxury Cabernet portfolios, on the planet, which is, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. (laughs) and, And what he's done, with Heights and Burgess and Stony Hill and Ingrate and Brendel and the team that he's assembled together is really phenomenal to work for. So right, our, our mission is, exci- yeah, for sure. And, and you know, our mission at Domain is to produce, import, and market the world's finest wines with partners who share our passion to make change, and it's both socially and environmentally in our industry.
0: Mm-hmm, right, and those are such important parts today for the consumer as well. So to you know, embody those values in your suppliers. And that's really what we want to talk about today is the creation and evolution of the import portfolio at Domain Estates and what you're building with your team. So for today's masterclass, our three takeaways are, you know, number one, what are importers seeking and potential suppliers? Number two... What makes a valuable and and successful supplier-importer relationship? And I know you'll have so much to offer there, having worked in so many aspects of the industry. And then number three, what are some of the most exciting trends in luxury Italian wine for the U.S. market today? So let's just dive in. We've got so much to cover and can't wait to hear all your insights on these three things. So, Fulana, you joined Domain Estates in 2021 as president, and since then, you've brought on a number of great new suppliers, both in Italy but also from France. Domain Estates was nominated for Import of the Year from Wine Enthusiasts. You have an incredible team, so you've been quite busy. So, tell us a little bit more specifically around about the philosophy around imports at Domain Estates.
1: Absolutely. We identify growing trends in the import market. And right now, the current appetite that we see is Chablis and Chianti. And then we carefully choose the right global partners who share our social and environmental values. You know, we always say here at the Domain, we don't create trends. When we create trends, we don't follow them. And that's important to us because we've assembled a team here that is extremely experienced. I am so proud of the team that we've built here and who's leading our marketing as our senior vice president of marketing is Scott Diaz. My SVP of sales is Andrew Dietz. And both of them together are a force. It's a very rare combination at any importer when you have sales and marketing on the same page. Sales and marketing being on the same page is so important because a lot of times you're working in silos and marketing is doing one thing and sales is doing another. But they are right. both so aligned, and we're aligned in our messaging and, and the goals that we want. And so, when it comes to growing our import portfolio, there's a few things we look for. One, the wine has to taste good. That's the most of important course. thing.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the wine has to taste good. First and good.
1: foremost, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two, we prefer family owned companies. It's important okay. to do be family owned because mm-hmm. there is a long-term vision that's involved decisions aren't, aren't being made by shareholders it's being made by a family and, and you can right. see the legacy that's being built and that's very very important to us because when you are working with family-owned legacy companies there's a rich history and there's a generational relationship between not only the family members but also the business they care mm-hmm. more for the business and they're more involved And that's what means everything. And so we really look for families that, are going to be here long-term and not looking for an exit, if that makes right,
0: sense. Right, of course. Yeah, it's sustainable business from the sense of ownership as well, right? Looking for that long-term vision. And you know, Italy has no shortage of, of family-owned businesses, as we know. <laughs>
1: that's, yeah, absolutely. And how, you know, I think what's important is we always ask in, when we look for new suppliers, how are you presenting your brand and your family messaging to the U.S.? And that's what mm-hmm. Domain does extremely well is we understand how to present your brand and your family message to a US marketplace and to the US consumer it's not about what we want it's about actually what they want and what's in the best interest for them
0: mm-hmm. it should
1: never be about what's in the best interest for us because that becomes very selfish and you don't want to when you're when you're bringing together a family legacy and you're repositioning and and you're having to take take on this beautiful legacy we take that we take that actually extremely seriously, and we mm-hmm. want to make sure that our teams are educated, that our um, that all the stakeholders are involved. So that way, when we bring on something new, everybody is involved, and all of our distributor partners are involved. Everyone's involved at a very very high level.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely, and everyone understands the message and the positioning. Um, and and I think what you said that's really important here too is that you're delivering a message that the consumer and the customer wants to hear as well, and that you're tailoring and adapting the message to create as much success as possible in the market, ultimately. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you mentioned Chianti as one of the focuses right now on the import side, and you've recently brought on Mutsay. Congratulations. That's Thank very you. exciting. <laughs> you like tell us a little bit about that new relationship and just to speak a little bit more specifically about the work you're doing now within the Italian wine category.
1: Absolutely. Well, the Metzés are amazing. It's an amazing family. They've been making wine for 600 years. They're, talk about legacy. They are, right. when you think about Chianti and the region of, of Chianti Classical. And obviously making some of the world's greatest wines. The first thing you think of is is the Metzay family. This is a family that is extremely passionate about who they are. Uh, We work very closely with all of their family members from uh, Giovanni to his father, to his um, father, Filippo, and then to uh, Francesco. And they're just so wonderful to be around. <laughs> uh, we are very, we're very fortunate to be able to not only represent their wines, but to have this relationship that we continue to cultivate. And one of the very first things that we did is, you know, Carlton and I came over to Tuscany and we visited with the Matze family. And we were mm-hmm. blown away by not only the quality of wine that they're making and everything that they do with such care, but when it comes to how they sell wine and how they present their wine, it is truly best in class. And one thing I'll say about the region of Chianti is these are wines that are very food friendly to begin with. Right. To me, I think one of the questions you um, that you had sent earlier is, you know, what's a trend right now in Italian wine? And, and actually mm-hmm. it is Chianti because it's yeah. a classic wine. It's the benchmark of Sangiovese. And right. it's grape that's hard to produce in other regions, but is very well produced, obviously, in in Chianti. And there's mm-hmm. so many approachable price points. You get great quality in the Chianti Classical range. They're, the wines have brightness. They're versatile with food. They're just very food friendly and uh, they're delicious. The wines are absolutely yeah. delicious. And, and if you look through the Metz portfolio, all the way from Sir Loppo to the Chianti Classical, uh, the Fonteruteli, I want to make sure I say that correctly, (laughs) (laughs) Puntarelli. And visit the town of Puntarelli; you immediately fall in love with the passion and the love and the legacy that is behind these wines. And then, not to mention, they taste—they're delicious. They're absolutely delicious.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you know, of course, that's where it, it all starts from. I love that you're so excited about Chianti. We are too in our work and. You know it's exciting region for value approachability, so many reasons. You know as we look just you know moving towards a different topic, more generally, really want to hear your insights and what you think makes a successful supplier and importer relationship because I think a lot of our listeners out there, might work for a winery, own a winery, trying try to learn the U.S. market and, and be as successful as they can in a complicated market. So we'd love your insights on this topic and your experience, or what are some of the things that make for the most successful supplier-importer relationship?
1: Well, one is communication and transparency is key. <laughs> you have to communicate and be transparent about your business I know that I know this for a fact with Domain and it's really important is our reputation is we're extremely direct. We're very results driven and we believe in the communication and also having integrity in your business. So Mm -hmm. whenever you have an import supplier relationship, you have to be able to share the good news and then the bad news together. And you have to be able to work through those things together because the the goal is still the same, which is driving the business in the US. The US marketplace is the best marketplace to be in. It is the most dynamic. And mm. if you look at Italian wine, Italian wine thrives in the US because of the love of Italy and, and America. Mm-hmm. right, we love the Italian lifestyle and it's so important and it's important to Italy that the US does very well. And when you have a balance with your company and the attention that is given to that portfolio, you will have very successful results. And together, it's about partnership, long-term planning, and being able to solve for things and being able to really share in the successes and Mm -hmm. then also understanding what you need to improve. It's always about building the business and doing it together and being a partner For your supplier. You know, I I say this a lot whenever, when we look for new suppliers or for us, our teams, you want to work with people that are good people. We have a role here. And what I love about our team members, especially in my executive team, is we've been doing this long enough that we can identify and we'll get right to third base with somebody and realize, wow, I don't know if I want to get into business with this person because we're in it to be married. We don't want to get divorced. That's our goal. Our goal is to be married to this partner and to be with them for a very long time. And you're going to have the ups and downs in business. You're going to be able to have some really great years together. And then you'll have some years that, you know, might not be the same increases as it was last year, but the regular communication and being in touch and having that personal one-on-one connection is very important. It's very important to me personally to have a one-on-one connection with all of our supplier partners, especially in the import world because we're not living in the same country. So they're relying on us for information. And so it's important to give them the information and to really understand what they need and what they're looking for, which will make for a very successful relationship
0: yeah, and I think what I'm hearing from you, Falana is that it's a two-way street too, and it has to be a two-way partnership, not that the importer is always responding to the supplier or vice versa, but that there is a give and take. I think also what you said about transparency and being communicative and clear is also so important. But I think the metaphor of a marriage is is a good one for the the importer <laughs> supplier relationship and one that, probably a lot of our listeners can relate to. So I think that's a really personal way, but very relatable way to describe it.
1: You know my leadership style, Juliana. I will always be more personable because it's human-to-human interaction. And when you are working with people where you're growing their business and you're representing their family legacy, I think it's important to be personal. I think it's important to get to know them and to understand what their values are and that the values of our companies align And we're on the same page. I saw so much of it on my distributor side of suppliers coming and going and leaving. And, you know, no one likes to get fired and no one likes to get divorced. And so our goal is whenever we move forward in partnership, we're in it to the very end. We want to be with you to the very end.
0: That's a great reminder for all the listeners as well. (laughs) So, you know, thinking about shifting gears a little again and shifting, thinking about trends in the luxury wine market. And that's a segment in which Domain Estates really plays. But what are some of the exciting trends? We've spoken about Chianti, but anything else that's super exciting for you right now as you look to build out a world-class import portfolio at Domain?
1: For us, it's going back to authenticity with Mm. uh, legacy estate wineries. And having history. So, what Lawrence Wine Estates, which is the Lawrence Wine Estates, is the entity that represents Heights, Cellar, Burgess, Stony Hill, that we work with, the main Mm -hmm. estate sales and marketing partner for Lawrence Wine Estates, in which is LeCarlton McCoy, CEO of. And it's natural farming, low intervention winemaking, and producing wines that are very elegant and classically structured, that have great brightness, great acidity, great balance. And that naturally produces low alcohol wines. And that, right. to, that to us is, is magic because you're producing wines that are very unique to the region. And if you look through different parts of Napa from Howell Mountain to Spring Mountain to Rutherford, and you're producing these beautiful, beautiful wines that are structured and elegant, but they're not the big boy, high alcohol, high residual wines that, it, that has been associated with Napa in, in some ways. Mm -hmm. That's not what Lawrence Wine Estates and what Domain Estates. For us, it's about really focusing on the environment and focusing on farming aspects and low-intervention winemaking. We're doing that because we like to make wines that we drink. It's not a trend. Of course. Yeah. Right? No No one likes to drink a... a, I don't know. I mean, I, I... I don't know about you, but I don't like to drink a 16 and a half percent alcohol wine. know <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're both five <mindful> foot <laughs> one. And I think, you know, mindful of our alcohol intake. And yeah, those wines for me, for sure. Not, not what I'm putting on my table. But yeah. I love that you said going back to tradition too. I think that and that's something we're seeing outside of the wine industry as well and just in terms of what people are embracing and their consumption habits and trends. We all uh, sought after comfort during the pandemic, and I think some of that's lasted in, in the way of looking for tradition in the products that we're consuming.
1: You know there's no better time to be in the luxury wine market right now. There's mm-hmm. no better time to be drinking wine right now because there's so many fantastic producers that are making exceptional wine. So it's a great time to be a wine consumer because there's so many great wines out there to try and people are experimenting and they're doing different things. And you have some phenomenal winemakers that are really bringing on awesome projects to showcase their skills and, and their talents. So we work with an incredible winemaking team here. And so I get to see it firsthand. So to me, Definitely. this is a very exciting time to be in the luxury wine category. And luxury wine, I just want to say this to all the listeners, is over $60. That's luxury wine. It's not over 30 yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. There needs to be an agreement in the world. Yes, I think Sometimes there's a lot of companies that say premiums over, you know, $22. And that's not true. Because if you look at the way the producers and the wineries are making these wines, and producing wines and farming what the farming costs are, you really have to understand why the price points are the way that they are. Because no one, absolutely, you know, you're creating something very, very special. And there's a reason why it's priced in that way. And I think it's worth it.
0: Yeah. And we see consumers maybe drinking less, but trading up and drinking higher price point wines, even younger consumers, right? So I think, like you said, it's a really exciting time to be in this space and to be in the luxury wine category. Falana, before we wrap up, we're going to do our rapid fire quiz that we do in every masterclass episode. We're going to just hammer home our key takeaways from today's conversation. And you shared so many great insights that I want to make sure our listeners walk away with. So if you can do your best to answer these questions in one sentence or less, that's the challenge. So <laughs> <laughs> question number one, uh, what are importers like Domain Estates seeking right now in potential supplier partnerships?
1: Long-term planning and partnership.
0: Great. Question number two, what makes a valuable and successful supplier-importer relationship?
1: Communication.
0: And number three, what are some of the most exciting trends right now in luxury Italian wine in the U.S. market?
1: People are discovering Chianti, and it is such a phenomenal region to discover, and it's a great place to visit, and the wines have freshness and balance, and they're so approachable, and it's, it's Chianti all day for us.
0: Chianti all day. We love that. Wonderful. So thanks again, Polana, for being here today on the Italian Wine Podcast. We really appreciate you sharing all your insights, your story, your enthusiasm for Chianti. Uh, <laughs> congratulations on all the success you've seen so far at the United States, And we can't wait to see where you go next. I'm sure there's
1: only more to come. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining me today. Stay tuned each week for new episodes of Masterclass US Wine Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. And remember, if you enjoyed today's show, hit the like and follow buttons wherever you get your podcasts.